What's going on, guys? Welcome back inside yet another episode of Big Easy in the Big Apple. It's your host, Chris Rosvoglu. You can follow me on Twitter at Rosvoglu Report. Now, let's jump right into it. Let's talk about everything Saints news. And we're going to start off with some injury uh, news for New Orleans. And that's Andrews Pete, broken arm out six weeks, which means not only is he going to miss this weekend's game against Tampa Bay, they probably won't have him back until the earliest um, the last two weeks of the season where you could end up playing either Carolina, maybe the Colts. Um, so they'll have their options, maybe the Titans. So it'll probably be around that window. Um, it's a tough blow for the saints. And I know people are very down to Andrews Pete. He's the weak link of the offensive line. There's no denying that. But the one thing that Andrews Pete does, um, that no other guy on the offensive line can do for them is bring versatility in the sense that he can, you know, shift out to left tackle. Um, you can move him to either guard spot. He's a very, um, versatile offensive lineman. That said, Andrews Pete's been having the worst season um, of his career outside of, you know, like his rookie and second year struggles, he's really, uh, you know, regressed from last season uh, and it's been unfortunate to watch. And it's yet another injury. He had a broken wrist, I believe last year now with the arm, um, lingering issues for him. He's not going to be there. So it's either going to be the will clap show or Nick Easton's finally going to get his chance to show why the saints gave him a four year, $24 million contract last off season. And right now I think you're going to see clap starting and Easton will probably be, excuse me, the backup offensive guard and <clears throat> here's the reality Easton even though they paid him that money I don't think um he's as as versatile as Pete or even Will Clapp in the sense that you can't use him in the jumbo package or you don't want to use him in the jumbo package which is why we haven't seen Nick Easton at all um I don't know if we're going to get to see him play I'd like to see what they have in him um but I also think Will Clapp won't be that bad with a full week of prep I know a lot of people were crushing you know with clap for the way he played last week no one outside of maybe Ramcheck played well against the Falcons they all struggled McCoy struggled Armstead struggled Warford struggled we know Pete struggled um so they all played bad and I think with a full week against Tampa Bay you'll see um progression from Will Clapp so let's just give him a chance before everyone starts you know throwing dirt on him saying he's going to be no good for them now before I get to a little bit more bad news I'm going to sprinkle with a little good news here Keith Kirkwood's on the, you know, on the return here. Um, they're they're going to activate him soon. He's going to be able to play in about a couple of weeks from now. I think we're going to see him by Thanksgiving. That's my prediction. Um, maybe we see him for the Carolina game, which would be awesome. But I think we're going to see him for Thanksgiving against the Falcons, which would be fitting because last Thanksgiving he had a touchdown against them. Uh, I think we're going to see Kirkwood come back. And I know a lot of you have been saying, Chris, what's the big deal about Kirkwood? He's average. He's this. He's that. This is the way I see it. He was an undrafted rookie free agent last year. Goes to Sean Payton. Uh, and the New Orleans Saints. It's a tough system to learn, yet in his rookie year without being drafted from Temple, learns the system, gets acclimated with it pretty quick, and all of a sudden, you know, around week eight, week nine, you see him make some plays, and then he starts earning the trust of Drew Brees, and then we get to the playoffs, and we get to a crucial fourth down scenario uh, in the NFC Divisional round, and Drew Brees is throwing a fade to him in the corner of the end zone against the Eagles. 
this is what I know about Keith Kirkwood. I know he's a hard worker. I know he has the trust of Drew Brees. And I know and I know that he understands Sean Payton's offense better than anyone who they can just pick up off the streets. Um, and that's why, and everyone's telling me they need to sign a receiver, they need to trade for a receiver. I'm just being real, realistic here and telling you, one, it's not going to happen, and two, the Saints are confident in what they have in the building. Last Sunday was very alarming. Ted Ginn was not good. Drake wants only had two targets, I believe it was. And we didn't see any type of improvement from what we thought we'd get going into that game. I think when Kirkwood comes back, the Saints have to sh- you know, rotate that depth chart. Get Kirkwood in there as a wide receiver two, wide receiver three. Give Traquan Smith more reps. I think I've seen enough of Ted Ginn Jr. to know that outside of stretching the field vertically, he's not going to give the Saints anything anymore. Um, so you have to figure out what you're going to do there. And do you consider giving Deontay Harris more time as a wide receiver? Let him see if he could stretch the field and if he can go long for Drew Brees. But those are all options they're going to have to consider um, and put on the table. But I do not think, as of right now, they're even thinking about signing a wide receiver. I know you guys want it to happen. I'm intrigued by the possibility of it. I talked about it last episode of maybe talking to Dez and seeing where he is in terms of his health. But I'm going to be real with you guys. I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, but we'll see if the Saints change their mind after this weekend. Now, let's go back to a couple more troubling pieces of news for the Saints, and that's Marshawn Lattimore not practicing, Deontay Harris also not practicing, both hamstring issues, and Demario Davis being limited because of a hamstring injury. Out of all those guys that I mentioned, I know everyone says Lattimore is the MVP of the defense, and that's fine. I'm not going to disagree with you. In my eyes, it's Demario Davis. The reason being, he's the best linebacker the team's had since Vilma. He's the leader of the defense. He's their best tackler, and he's such a great communicator. If you don't have him on the field, it just changes your whole defense. And then you got to rely on Klein and Kiko Alonso more than you should have to. Um, so it's a tough spot if the Saints don't have him. I'm not going to worry yet in terms of his status for Sunday because he was limited on Wednesday. And usually when you at least can practice on Wednesday at all in any capacity, it's a good sign for your status. So I'm not worried yet. I'm a little alarmed about Deontay Harris. I, I don't know what's going on there. I didn't even realize he got hurt on Sunday. I don't think anyone did. Um, no one talked about it, but maybe that's because we were all focused on Marshawn Lattimore, who I mentioned on the last episode, I've tweeted out before, I don't even know if we're going to see him for the month of uh, November. I, I don't know if you bring him back. I think maybe we see him for the San Francisco game in December, um, and and maybe, and I'm pushing it here, maybe that Thanksgiving game against the Falcons, but who knows. Um, again, I'm not a doctor here, but I, I just don't see them rushing back Lattimore from a hammy injury, especially when that's been you know his weakness coming out of college. Now, while the Saints are dealing with injuries, so are the Bucks. The Bucks are, you know, Carlton Davis is is uh, out right now at practice. They just cut Vernon Hargroves, who was a first round bust. We all know about that. So they're dealing with some depth issues um, at corner. They're actually going to be without. Listen to this: three. If there's po- a possibility here to be out without three of their top four corners from last Sunday. Think about that. So you would be starting one guy who you, I guess, trust in the sense that he knows the system. And then two players who have not seen any time at all this year against Drew Brees. That's not a tough, uh, it's a tough scenario for your defense. That's not a good one for those guys coming in. Welcome to your NFL moment. You're facing one of the best quarterbacks ever. So that would be rough. Um, but it would also level the playing field in terms of secondary. Saints would be banged up. Tampa Bay would be banged up. And it would make for an interesting game and a potential uh, air raid between both systems. Now, I know a lot of people are worried about what's going on with the Saints. Are they going to lose another game? Are they going to fall behind um, and let Carolina bump up in the NFC South? Those are all legitimate concerns, but I'll tell you if that's going to happen and if the Saints will continue this little struggle right now on offense or if they'll break out of that slump 
in Tampa Bay right after the break. And we're back once again inside Big Easy in the Big Apple. Now, before I give my prediction for the Saints-Buccaneers matchup and talk about key um, showdowns that will dictate the outcome, I want to talk about some trending topic that's been going around the NFL. Everyone's talking about it. People are talking about it on Twitter. People are talking about it on radio shows, TV shows, whatever you want to go, debate shows. And not only is it an egregious, uh, egregious topic, excuse me, it's something that shows the bias that's going on in football, and in sports in general. The Saints struggled against Atlanta. We all saw it. We all know what happens. And there was a lot of blame to go around. Now, I, for one, said on Twitter that Saints fans, for some reason, just give Drew Brees a pass when he has a bad game. Now, although I said that, I didn't never. I, I didn't say it. I don't think anyone from the Saints said it would even consider going back to Bridgewater or saying, oh, we have a quarterback controversy because that would just indicate that you don't have, when you usually have a quarterback controversy, it means you don't have a good quarterback. The Saints have two good ones and they're not considering, nor should they. But everyone in national media, everyone on Twitter is wondering if the Saints need to make a change here and saying, oh, well, look what look at their record with Drew Brees. And granted, if you look at the record, it would indicate that they've been better with Bridgewater. But here's the deal. And this is why I laugh at everyone talking about right now whether the Saints need to move on from Breeze or bench Breeze. If you don't watch the game and you just look at the box score, I could see why you would think that. But if you're not watching the game and you're just checking out the stats and that's what you're going to call a day when you're looking at the Saints numbers, just stop. Because unfortunately, the truth is when the Saints have number nine in the under center, they're, they take him for granted. And most importantly, Sean Payton takes him for granted. Because when Drew Brees is back there, it's, oh, we can neglect the run. Oh, our defense doesn't need to be that good because we're just going to sling the ball 40 times and we're going to hope to outgun you. That can't be the formula for this team. And it's not a quarterback problem. It's a game plan problem. And maybe that's on Brees. Maybe Brees didn't check his ego at the door and Brees wants to throw the football around. But this team's on the cusp of getting to the playoffs again, making a potential run to the Super Bowl. And the worst thing possible here can be thinking it can be them just sitting there and trying to outgun people because you can't do that anymore. This Saints team is not from 2011. It's not from 2013. It's not from 2009. They are a grind it out, punch you in the mouth, take the fight to you type offense that's going to run the football hard and then when you commit to the run, your defense is a little lackadaisical in the back end and a Hall of Fame quarterback and Drew Brees will pick you apart. That formula was working with Bridgewater. The Saints weren't throwing the ball 40 times. They were running it as much as possible. Their O-line was playing physical football. And then they say, Teddy, make a throw here, make a throw there. And granted, he would miss a couple, but we all thought when Drew Brees comes back, he's going to make that throw. And he can. But the problem is, all three games that Brees has started in its entirety, they've thrown the ball at least 40 times. That's a game plan problem. It's not a Brees problem. Because it wasn't a Breeze problem when they won against the Texans and he had that nice game-winning drive that, you know, he basically had 30 seconds left and maybe outside of Brady, I don't know what other quarterback in this league is going to get that job done. And against the Cardinals, he shredded them for 370-something yards, three touchdowns, and we all said, wow, look at this Saints team. Now they got Breeze back. The sky's the limit. 
And then after one bad game, which was the typical game where you say, oh, any given Sunday, I mean, the, the Falcons come in with a 1-7 record and they pull off the upset. No, everyone's changing their stance. It's Breeze is the problem. Bridgewater needs to come in. It's funny that that happens because when Aaron Rodgers plays like absolute crap against the, the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, no one said anything. When Tom Brady plays like crap and throws two picks and no touchdowns against the Bills and they only win because their defense is scoring them points, no one says anything. But when Drew Brees has one bad game this season, everyone's quick to say, throw in Teddy Bridgewater, move on from Brees. And that's fine because I've said multiple times when this year's over and the Saints have to make a decision, maybe Teddy is the better pick because Drew's only getting older. But for right now, and my stance will not change at all this season on it, the best chance to win is with number nine because he reads defenses better, because he's a more accurate quarterback, because he's been there before, and because if you ask any defender who'd you rather face, Drew Brees or Teddy Bridgewater, all of them would rather face Bridgewater because they know Brees can pick them apart mentally and physically. But yet, everyone's talking about why they have to move on. And it's just the typical hate against a certain franchise because they don't like the way they conduct themselves. They don't really care because they're not a big, they're not a big market. And I put that quote unquote because if you look at the TV ratings, they are. It's just funny because every time someone struggles, we never once mention moving them to the side and putting in a different quarterback. It took four years for the Giants to move on from Eli Manning, and people weren't calling for him to be benched until this year when they finally drafted a quarterback. Do you guys remember when Eli played bad and they put in Geno Smith and everyone was in an uproar saying, how could you bench Eli? It's because Eli sucks. Okay. The reality is right now, the Saints still have a really good quarterback who's still playing at a high level. And yeah, he had a bad game. The whole offense played bad. Breeze got sacked six times. That's not mentioned. And I said the O-line, some of them were coverage sacks. I get it. It's also a second game back from injury. People are so quick to push the panic button as if 7-2 and two is a bad record. They can still get a top seed in the NFC. They still have Super Bowl aspirations, and Drew Brees is not going to tank the ship. And yeah, they have to change the game plan. But you have to stop and wonder, Sean Payton saw that Atlanta secondary and said they are very beatable, we're going to attack them. And the game plan just went south, and he never adjusted. How come he doesn't get any blame? So much responsibility falls on the quarterback, but it depends on who the quarterback is. Some quarterbacks, like the one that plays in Green Bay, no blame ever gets put on his shoulders. Some in New Orleans, all the blame gets put on their shoulders. Just depends on who you are. But here's the final thing I have to say on that. If you're honestly sitting here thinking that Drew Brees needs to get benched, I don't know what football you're watching. Now, do you think that Drew Brees needs to take a little bit of a lesser role in a sense that let the defense play their game, let the running game get going, and then pick your spot? I absolutely agree. I think that's the way they have to go about this whole season because you only got one wide receiver beating you. So it's not the days where you had Colston and Lance Moore and Devery Henderson and Robert Meacham and Jimmy Graham, and you could just throw guys at people. You don't have that anymore. You don't have that luxury. But what they still have is a really good running game, a really good offensive line, the best defense that they've had in years, a great coaching staff, and a Hall of Fame quarterback. And that's more than enough to win a Super Bowl. They just need to play and stick to the formula that they were running with Teddy, but now with a better quarterback. It's that simple. It really is. And I don't even understand how it's become such a topic. I've I've never seen, after one bad game from Brady, someone mention, should they bench him? I've never heard it for Rodgers. I've never heard it for Rivers, who's playing bad. I've never heard it for Big Ben. I could go on with all these Hall of Fame quarterbacks. It's just this dumb narrative that this, you know, especially people from Fox have against a certain quarterback like Drew Brees, that as soon as he plays bad, 
For some reason, they want him to sit on the bench. I don't get it. I'll never understand it. And the and the funniest thing is the people who want him benched are the same people who were watching Teddy Bridgewater after the Rams game and saying, oh man, the Saints are screwed without Drew Brees now. Pick a side. Either be all on Teddy or be all on Drew, but quit flip-flopping. It's the most annoying thing uh, going on in sports. Now, rambled on enough about that you know ridiculous quarterback, quote-unquote, controversy brewing in New Orleans. Let's shift over to the game plan of what's going to matter in the Saints game. And the biggest thing for me is how do you stop Mike Evans? There's going to be no Marshawn Lattimore. And last time we all checked the box score, Lattimore shut out Mike Evans last time. So we know how good Lattimore is. We know how well he plays against Mike Evans. Everyone's nervous about P.J. Williams playing on Mike Evans. And I get it. P.J. Williams is not even in his class. They don't belong in the same ballpark. It's a mismatch. But what I saw last week was P.J. Williams actually held his own against Julio Jones. 50 of Julio Jones' I believe 70-something yards came from one play where Eli Apple basically got picked off by A.J. Klein. So Williams held his own, and the defense got blamed so much on Sunday, they actually played pretty well. Um, They struggled against the scripted plays early in the first quarter, but after that, they settled in, and for the most part, played really good football without Marshawn Lattimore in. So, yeah, stopping Evans is going to be tough, and it's only going to be tough because Chris Godwin's on the other side. So Tampa Bay has the luxury of saying we have two arguably number one wideouts that we can throw at you. How are you going to attack it? And for me, I've tweeted it out before. I keep saying it again. Not everyone agrees, and that's fine. I think the way to go about this is you put Eli Apple on whichever wide receiver is on the outside, and whichever one likes to play in the slot, let PJ, let Chauncey Gardner-Johnson take him and figure it out there. Now, if both are playing out wide, I think you can go with Apple on Godwin. And then PJ with severe safety help, and I mean severe, over the top on Mike Evans. Um, but let's say you have Godwin in the slot. I'd rather Chauncey Gardner-Johnson do his thing and let Eli Apple take Mike Evans for a couple of plays. The Saints have options, and they're going to get Patrick Robinson back. They will have options in this game. I don't think it's man overboard like some people think, but that's going to be an important component of this game. Moving over to the offense for the Saints, being balanced is important. I know it's a cliche, but... You need to have some sense of balance. I wouldn't complain so much about the Saints throwing the ball 40 times if they ran the football. They threw it 40 times and ran it 11 times. That's not enough. Can you throw it 35 times and give me 22 carries, 25 carries? That would be the ideal scenario. You're going to throw the football more than uh, more times than you run it. We're not stupid. We know that's going to happen. But give us 20-something carries. That's what you need. Um, that's what's going to get this offense going. Now, I know Tampa Bay is so good against the run. The numbers will tell you they're one of the top five run defenses in all of football. They've also, you know, and it's funny that people, you know, the way to look at it, they get in a lot of shootouts, and that's why their run defense is as good as it is. There's games where it's just a total air raid. You'll have Wilson and Winston battling it out, you know. Uh, I believe Russell Wilson and James Winston went at it two weeks ago in an overtime game and finished 40-34. to 34. Yeah, no one's going to run the football in that game. They're just going to be throwing it all over the park. So I think the Saints, if they can control time of possession and dictate the pace of this game immediately, they can have success against this run defense. And you have to remember this. Stats are great and all, but in division games, take the stats and throw them out the window. Because the Saints are really good against the run. And what do the Falcons do? They hit him right in the mouth. They ran with Brian Hill. They ran with Devontae Freeman. And they had success early and often. So throw those numbers out the window, in my opinion. If the Saints come out with the right attack, their offensive line is physical, and they hit Tampa Bay in the mouth immediately, you're going to see them have success on the ground. I don't care what the numbers say. That will help their offense too. Get Kamara going. Get Murray going. And then 
let Drew Brees pick apart a young secondary, which leads me to my third point. This secondary for Tampa Bay, it's not good. It's not experienced. And they are lacking talent right now. Now, they invest a lot in their secondary. So they got a lot of young playmakers who are athletic, um, can, you know, from a physicality standpoint, hold their own. But I think in terms of technique, they're still young, they're still raw. And now they have to go up against who I think is the best wide receiver in football, Michael Thomas. And Michael Thomas isn't just on pace to be the best wide receiver in football, an all pro wide out, another trip to the Pro Bowl, yada, yada. He is on pace to continue making a name for himself, make history, and in the process, maybe win Offensive Player of the Year. I'm not going to say MVP because, like I said before, I'm going to be a realist. They're not going to give the MVP trophy to a wide receiver. It doesn't happen. But he's on pace to shatter Marvin Harrison's record for most receptions in a single season. He's on pace for 153 right now, I believe that is. Uh, He's already got 86 catches, which is insane. We're nine games in. He's got 86 catches and over 1,000 yards. Um... I think he's going to have a big game against his Tampa Bay secondary. I think he will. He had a big game the first time. I think he could do it the second time. And remind you, the first time, they had Carlton Davis. They had Vernon Hargroves. They had a little bit more depth than they do now. I don't see how Tampa Bay stops him. If Tampa Bay does stop Michael Thomas, that means they're investing two to three DBs on certain plays on him, which means, by God, if Traquan Smith and and Ted Ginn Jr. don't make plays against one-on-one coverage with no safety help, it's not going to happen at all this season. Now, I told you guys, I believe in Traquan. A little shaky about how I feel about Ted Ginn Jr., but we'll see. Now, my fourth and final point, and it's something that worked out last time, and I think it will work out again in the Saints' favor. How do you stop Shaq Barrett? He leads the league in sacks. He had a really good game this past weekend against Arizona, but I'm always impressed with who do you get the sacks against, not what does the number say. Because, yes, leading the league in sacks is all fine and dandy, But a lot of them came against the Giants. A couple of them came against Arizona. A couple came against, um, excuse me, was the Panthers week two on Thursday night game. So those numbers are nice, but against good O-line, Shaq Barrett struggles. And Ryan Ramchek last time kept him off the board. I think he could do it again. And if he does, that changes the defense. Um, I I know Tampa Bay's got a nice defensive line with JPP and and Vita Vea, but like, I'm telling you, it all starts with Shaq Barrett. And if you neutralize him, the whole offense opens up. Now, remember, four points. Shutting down Barrett, how do you stop Mike Evans? On the flip side, can the Saints attack the young secondary with Michael Thomas? And then the fourth one, have a balanced offense. Got to run the football early. At least get it going. Do not become one-dimensional in Tampa Bay. Or else we're heading for a shootout between Breeze and Winston. Now, comes my prediction for this game. I know a lot of people are thinking without Lattimore, without maybe Deontay Harris, the Saints team's going to struggle. And I get why there's concern. But here's the reality. The Saints got absolutely hit in the mouth. They were, you know, cruising, smooth sailing through the NFC South. They thought they had a chance to get an early seed and they would beat the, you know, Falcons coming off a of bye week. They felt good about themselves. And the way I look at it, it was kind of like, Rocky three, they were cruising around. They thought they, you know, no one could beat them. And then what happens? Clubber Lane comes and hits you right in the face and you hit the mat and you lose your belt. And the way I look at this Saints team right now, that happened. Um, they got their wake up call. They thought it was too easy. You went five and zero with Bridgewater. You dominated the Cardinals when Breeze came back. They probably thought we're not losing another game on this schedule. And what happened? Atlanta comes in, shocks them. That was the wake up call. And I think it's the wake up call they needed. Um, I don't think Sean Payton's going to mess up twice. I thought his game plan was horrendous last weekend, 
I think he's going to be on his point. I think he's going to be in his bag with certain moves, as people like to say. I think he's going to pull out all the stops. The Saints usually struggle in Tampa Bay, but on 1 o'clock kickoffs on the East Coast, they are actually pretty good against Tampa Bay. They struggle the 425 slot. They're in the 1, 1 p.m. slot for this one. I think the Saints are going to have a balanced attack early and often, run the football, control the time, control the pace of the game, make Tampa Bay play ugly. The Saints are good at playing ugly. I know they think they're a finesse team, but they are really good at playing smash-mouth football. Control it. Play that style. Force Jameis Winston to play that way because if he doesn't and Winston wants to keep throwing the ball around the field, you will be able to pick him off. And mind you this, and I think this is the most interesting stat that you'll see all week for this game. Jameis Winston has thrown at least one interception in every home game this year. He's at home. Chalk it up. Two picks this weekend for the Saints. I think the Saints are going to end up winning this game 27-17. to 17, Get back in the win column. And for now, silence the people who are saying that the Saints are slumping and Drew Brees needs to sit on the bench. But that's going to do it for this weekend's episode, uh, this week, excuse me, episode of Big Easy in the Big Apple. Let me know what you think about this upcoming Saints-Bucks game. What's your score prediction? Do you have any bold predictions for that game, as a matter of fact? And just hit me up on Twitter with those replies. But thank you so much for listening, guys. Enjoy the rest of your week. And I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. And the Saints, hopefully, get back in the win column.